How to Keep from Shrinking is the title of this message this morning. I want to start out with a disclaimer, Doc. It's, it's important. It's an important disclaimer because my intro is for illustration only. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> and I want to say I'm no way, shape, or form being negative about doctors, nurses, <laughs> nurse practitioners, uh, to anybody in the medical profession whom I admire greatly and I owe my life to. So we're cool. Just say we're cool. Say it. All right. God bless you. Thank you. He's the only one in here, I think. I, there might be some nurses in here. I don't know. Sarah Alt was in the first service. So we proceed here with great caution. You can't imagine over the last 40 years of preaching how many times that I've said things that I shouldn't. That, uh, so, but I ask you this in all honesty this morning, and I want you to be gut honest. Who loves sitting in a waiting room at the doctor's office? Who loves it? No hands. And I doubt if there's any hands at home as well. It, it's just the way it is. And sometimes when you go in, it depends on how ill you are or what you've got facing you. Sometimes you're nervous. And sometimes you talk to strangers or whatever. And I had a friend in Decatur, Illinois, that went into the doctor and he was nervous. And he sat down by a lady that had an enormous stomach and her hands were folded on top of that stomach. He says, when you do, she said, do for what? <laughs> she wasn't pregnant. <laughs> if you can believe this, I've done that once. I don't do it anymore. Brittany was in the first service, and she's with child, so instead of saying, when you do, I said, what's, what's going on here with your stomach? <laughs> it worked, but she's generous. So... Uh, there's, there's ways to get, get around that. Diane said, why don't you just keep your mouth shut? So that would be sometimes be better. Some people have fear of injections. I, I think even with this COVID vaccine, there are people that won't get it because they're just nut, not nuts about needles. I don't know how it was with you, but when I was in grade school, they didn't, I don't remember them sending papers home or anything, anything but evidently they did. They load you up a bus, drive you 11 miles south on Route 49 to Casey. I was in Westfield, Illinois, and everybody gets boosters. They get shots. You, you walked in the old gym at Casey, and, and just this aroma hit you of medicine, and you looked around, and there were kids screaming going out of their mind. It wasn't a good experience at all. <laughs> Dr. Ellis, not now that you're here, and it's just me and you, I want to know in all honesty if you've ever said this. You're going to feel a little pinch. Probably, yeah, probably. Or the classic, this is going to be a little uncomfortable. And when you say that, anybody says that, you need to hang on to the table. I had a doctor in Terre Haute who's long since retired. He was a believer in Christ. I loved the guy. But he had to do a little minor surgery inside my body with a laser. And I said, will I be asleep? Oh, no, you won't feel this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he gave me three shots, 90 seconds, each of that laser. I about come off that table. A few months later, he says, I got bad news. We're going to have to do that again. I said, listen, brother, either I'm going to be asleep or I'm going to burn your house down. It's your choice. <laughs> I was asleep. I'm not kidding you. It's no wonder that 
Nobody looks forward to the doctor's office. It's, it's no wonder that we shrink back from that battery of tests that we're subjected to there, even though the results are for our benefits. MRIs, CAT scans, and on fear of death, I cannot tell this story. If you're in a doctor's office and you hear the word procto, you leave that office and run as fast as you can. Now, I said, I, many of you have had these tests, and they, they are good for you, but boy, you, don't, you sure don't like them. And have you ever realized this, that in your walk of faith with Christ, these are words that we really don't like to hear. Like our family doctor, God periodically calls us in for an office visit and subjects our faith to a rigorous regiment of uncomfortable tests. This is part of the, the, the whole package as far as within the kingdom. Most often we respond to those tests the way we respond to a doctor's appointment. We develop a case of the shrinks. I don't know if any of you have had doctor's appointments through Zoom. I like them the best because they can't touch you. But nonetheless, they are what they are. And those of us that are older uh, remember this movie. It's called The Incredible Shrinking Man. It's, it's ancient and it's black and white. And I know this, Layla and Charlie, this will be something new for you. But let's watch this clip. You get the point I'm saying. But the point is, the more that he shrunk, the more frightening his life became. We get older, we all shrink a little bit. Although I have to say, I've never had Diane stand and pull my pants out, and there's about five inches in there. That's never happened to me. Here's some synonyms for shrink. Decrease, diminish, drop off, dwindle, fall off, lessen, narrow, reduce, shorten, shrivel, wane, weaken, wither, compress, concentrate, condense, constrict, contract, deflate, fail, waste, wrinkle, fall short, grow smaller, waste away. We shrink physically as well. But the issue today is our faith. We're starting a new series today entitled Faith, the Key to Survival. It's Hebrews chapter 11 through 13. Uh, you get in your daily reading, you get a chance to read that. As we continue on in, in with our relationship to Christ, if we're not careful and vigilant, our faith will shrink. In your walk of faith today, has it shrunk any, or is it still strong and vibrant and alive as it was when you first came to Christ, or even a month ago? I, I think COVID has brought a challenge to us, all of us as Americans, and all of us all over the world with loss of life and on and on and on, but it, it, it's really tested our faith. You think in over seven billion people on the face of this planet, how many humans during this time has asked God why? Well, I don't know if he answered anybody. But you know, reading God's word and prayer daily is so important and vital to our growth in Christ and our increased faith. And if we do that, I think the why questions will become less and less and we'll start to get a grip on it. Because you see, the more we shrink spiritually, the more dangerous it becomes for us. It was like the man in that science fiction movie. He shrank and shrank and shrank into nothingness, into oblivion. James gives us some valuable advice on this phobia. 
James 1, 2 through 4. There are scriptures that we leave, read over and over and we still scratch our heads sometimes. We read this, maybe we understand that, but putting it into application and living it is, is, a, whole, is a whole different ballgame. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Have you ever done that? And I could come up with a whole list of intrusions and temptations that come into our life and trials. Have you ever embraced them? Man, Lord, thank you for this trial. Thank you for this chaos that you've got me in. Thank you for this test. Mm, I don't know. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. They are for that reason. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you will find you have, a, have become men of mature character with the right sort of independence. Here's a brief analysis of shrinking. At the beginning of that test, we're in it, we see it, we're challenged. At the end, it is rewarded. But it's it, during the middle of that test that really brings out that stress. But that's ex exactly where our faith is strengthened. It's in the middle. It is in the disillusioning wilderness of waiting that the roots of our faith are driven deeper. I always said this. I say this a lot. I know sometimes, maybe, John, you had some phrases you said, but it sticks with you. In these times of testing, trials, temptations, call them what you will. We either get bitter or better. Hardly anyone stays the same. A lot of people like middle ground. Well, it's a good place to be, but in, in this instance, it, it either makes us stronger or makes us weaker. The in-between time when we are in greatest danger of shrinking back is the subject of today's passage that we're looking at here. You know, the scorching sands of the wilderness weren't foreign to the bare feet of the first century Christian. Christians, as the writer of Hebrews indicates in 1032. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. That's something we don't tell people so much. Come to Jesus. Give your heart to Christ. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Bring the fruit out in your life. A lot of times we don't hit on this. Hang on to your table because this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Because Satan has lost you. He wants you back. And with every, all the powers of hell and everything that's within you, your whole life as a believer, you have to gain control and mastery over him through the power of the Holy Spirit because he wants you back. The term rendered conflict is the word athlesis from which we get our word athletics. The picture is of a grueling athletic contest like those that were exhibited in the Colosseum and in the circus in Rome, the writer breaks these conflicts into four groups. Number one, the test of others' tongues, verse 33, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. The word spectacle comes from the Greek word that means theater. The Christians were being placed on a stage, so to speak, and made a theatrical spectacle through reproaches the Greek term brings to mind the word defamation. 
being made the object of disgrace through verbal abuse. It's, it's people saying bad, terrible things about you because of your faith. That comes. And those of us that's been in the faith for a while, I don't know if you remember, but I'm sure this happened. Especially if you, you live kind of a rough life and then you come to Christ and all your old friends want to drag you back in the mud. That happens. Second test, the test of others' actions. The term tribulation in verse 33 refused, refers to overt affliction. Mistreatment would be a good translation. It's people being mean to you because of your faith in Christ. Third test, the test of indirect suffering. To undergo direct suffering when someone is making your life miserable is certainly a test, but it is often a more stringent test to suffer vicariously as we see some we love being squeezed by the wine press of persecution. That's why verse 33 refers to by becoming sharers with those who so were so treated, empathizing with those who are going through a time of testing and hurting and people that you love. You feel that. It's where the gift of mercy comes in. What a great gift that is, but it really, it really works on you because if, you, if God has given you that spiritual gift, when you're with somebody, you sense, you feel. If they're hurting, you hurt. If they're happy, you're, it's that whole transfer of one heart, heart to another. And then for the test of losing valuable things. Fourth category of suffering the writer alludes to is found in verse 34. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourself a better possession and an abiding one. That's an amazing passage. Somebody from the government shows up, confiscates everything that you own. Would you stand by with a big smile on your face? And that's what, that's what happened to these Christians. The government confiscated everything they had. Accepting joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourself a better possession and an abiding one. Looking beyond. Looking beyond what is there. Looking beyond into the future. The times that God will get us through things and also on that day when we see him face to face. The Hebrew Christians endured the seizure of their property, but suffering also results from losing things more valuable than property, like losing a loved one, our reputation, our health, our freedom. The suffering of those early Christians were similar to the sufferings of prisoners in the Russian gulag, forced labor camps under Stalin's regime. There, the interrogators would break them down with verbal abuse, psychological intimidation, and finally, the cruelest forms of physical abuse. Alexander Solzhenitsyn chronicled this kind of suffering in a book that he wrote, The Gulag Archipelago. In it, he tells how he managed to endure the cruel list, fist of his captors. His advice perhaps will help us all who... Uh, feel the seeing he searing heat of the most relentless of trials, and I quote, how can you stand your ground when you are weak and sensitive to pain? When people you love are still alive, when you are unprepared, what do you need to make you stronger than the interrogator and the whole trap? From the moment you go to prison, you must put your cozy past firmly behind you. At the very threshold, you must say to yourself, my life is over. A little early to be sure, but there's nothing to be done about it. 
I shall never return to freedom. I am condemned to die now or a little later. But later on, in truth, it will be even harder, and so the sooner the better. I no longer have any property whatsoever. For me, for me those I love have died, and for them I have died. From today on, my body is useless and alien to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Only my spirit and my conscience remain precious and important to me. Confronted by such a prisoner, your interrogation will tremble. Only the man who has renounced everything can win that victory. You realize victory in the spiritual realm is reserved for those who have loosened their hold on everything but Christ. It's how he survived that. It's how, <clears throat> excuse me, we survive. Of all who shoulder the burden of suffering, they are the ones with the greatest chance of bearing up under its crippling load. What should give us strength to endure the sweltering journey and the promise is the promise of a better and abiding position. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and I will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. The word endurance here in verse 36 is from the Greek word hupomino. It means abiding under, staying with it, not giving up or giving in. Endurance is what gives you and I that second wind and a will to go on. And that comes through faith, the alternative to faith to shrink back. The word is hupostello. It is the opposite of hupomino. It means to retreat, to find a way out, to take the path of least resistance. I wonder sometimes when the test comes and we need to face it and go through it, I wonder how many times we, we don't face it, we go around and come in from another way and, and try to escape that. Or we blame somebody, blame God, whatever, instead of cowboying up and going into it with faith. Faith is the alternative to shrinking. Since living by faith is the way the righteous are to live if they want to please God, the definition of faith is in order. It is the hinge which swings us into chapter 11. This is the greatest passage on faith, perhaps in the entire scripture, verses 1 through 6. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For it is, for by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained this witness that be. For his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. 
Faith will never grow strong apart from the stress of enduring strenuous trials. It is stuff we don't like to hear, but it, it is what it is. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it'll atrophy. And here's my point. If you never are tested, if your faith is never put into action, how do you know that you have it? Chapter 11 is a gymnasium of God's finest specimens of faith. There we see spiritual muscles stretched to the limit. But with each exhausting workout, faith grew stronger. A careful look at verses 1 through 6, we pick out five important truths that made their faith vital. First, faith involves confidence and conviction of verse 1. The word insurance Assurance comes from the term meaning to stand under. It often refers to a solid foundation under a building or the deed to property that you own. Conviction means proof, like courtroom exhibits of evidence. Without the inner confidence and conviction, it's impossible to comprehend the unseen world of spiritual reality. You have to know 100% that God is on the throne, that Jesus Christ is sitting in his right hand, that he sent the Holy Spirit to live in you. It's a conviction that should never falter or waver. We have to stand on that 100%. That's what faith involves, confidence and conviction. Because how can you believe in something or someone that you can't touch with your physical hands? That's where science comes at it, and that's where they get it wrong. Well, if you can't touch it or see it, it's not real. Can you cut open an eye and see sight? Can you cut up in your nose and, and see smell? Or your ears hearing? Or your tongue taste? Can you see it? Absolutely not. But boy, we know it's there, don't we? A lot of people that's had the virus, they couldn't, they couldn't taste or smell. That's the point behind that. Second, faith always relates to the future. Faith is the things hoped for. The cement we mix into hope to harden it. Without faith, our hope is a little more than things going around in our mind, wishful thinking. Third, faith has its object, things not seen. When we focus on the unseen, we develop this incredible ability to envision what God will one day make visible. And then fourthly, faith is basic to pleasing God, verses 2 and 6. By this, we please God. We please the Heavenly Father, as Enoch did. There's no substitute to faith when it comes to pleasing God. No amount of good works, no amount of sacrifice, no amount of religious activity can make up for what is lacking in our faith. And in fifth, faith means focusing fully on God. To seek God in such a manner would evoke his reward means entering our, centering our attention and affection solely on him. When we do this, we get a glimpse of his great power and presence. We get a vision of God in our minds, and our faith grows in proportionate to the greatness of that glimpse. How you see God this morning. You close your eyes and you picture God. What do you see? That's the point. Three ways to solve the shrinking problem. Do you find yourself shrinking back from the test that God has authorized in your life? If so, the following three-part prescription may help us, actually. First, ask yourself the question, why is faith such a constant struggle for me? 
Why do I have these doubts? Why am I not sure? Do I have some unresolved conflict, some lingering struggle, some bitterness that I've not released to the Lord? Second, do yourself a favor. Bite off life in daily chunks. Live one day at a time. It's like the scripture says in Matthew 6.34, tomorrow will take care for itself. I don't know if you've been guilty of this. I have to admit this morning that I have. You sit and you play the what-if game. You can drive yourself completely insane. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they do this? What if they do that? We have to live in the here and the now. Yeah, we look forward to the future, but it's in God's hands. And it's not wrong to plan for some things, but my goodness, some people just drive themselves into insanity. Third, find yourself a friend. Look for someone who can help support you when your knees start buckling. Somebody that can put an arm around your shoulder and hold you up and help with that burden when life gets too heavy. Someone who can cry with you when the pain is simply too much to bear alone. Do you have that person? I wonder if that's maybe one of the biggest tragedies within the context of the kingdom because we pride ourselves in ourselves, being independent, being able to handle it. But I, that's, I don't think that's the way to, way to do life. And if you do have that person in your life, praise God for them and pray for them every day. Finally, a closing thought from Madeline Engel's excellent book, Walking on Water, and I quote, faith is what makes life bearable with all its tragedies and ambiguities and sudden startling joys. Not true. Faith is what makes life bearable. We who have faith, can you imagine life without it? With all its tragedies, we've all faced them, ambiguities and sudden startling joys. The series will be based on Hebrews 11, 12, and 13, so uh, read it, jot a few things down, and maybe we'll be able to answer those questions in the messages ahead. But here's the question that I leave you with this morning. Is your faith shrinking? Only you and God know that. He's not going to run everybody's name on the big screen and have a yes or a no by our name or a check. But, but I think it's, it's the evaluation in our own lives. Boy, I hope it's stronger than it was even last week. And if it's not, seek the Spirit's guidance and ask him to tell you why and then focus on today and leave to tomorrow for tomorrow. And hopefully you've got that other in your life. I guess my wife would be mine. But it's the fact that you are that connected to another human, to another believer in Christ that you're able to ask each other the tough questions. How's your walk with Christ today? How's your relationship? What are you struggling with? What do you need prayer for? That, I don't do that like I should. I have to admit it, but that's what we need to do, actually. Life is probably not going to get any better. I wish I could say today that we're not going to be faced with issues with this pandemic that still continues on. But nonetheless, if we, if we 
have our hand in God's. If Jesus Christ walks beside you and within you, we'll be able to endure. Lord, I pray for all of our faith, not just mine, but for everybody listening, those at home and those that are here in this place this morning. I often think, Lord, there's a reason you don't tell us the future. I don't know if we can handle it. If we knew exact dates and times when things would happen to us that we're not going to like very much, whether it's a test, call it what you will. Would you spare us from that? You give us the faith for this day. Getting out of bed and going throughout the day knowing that you love us, that you're within us, that you've got direction and purpose for us in our lives. And hopefully we go to bed that night. And by our faith, by our obedience, we have pleased you. And we sense that through the power of you, Holy Spirit, that we are in good graces with you. And we thank you for that. So right now, Father, as we leave this place and go out into life, our lives, may our faith continue to grow stronger for those times when the test comes and we need that endurance, that conviction to get us through that. I love these guys and just ask your blessing, Lord, if anybody here that doesn't know you this morning, that they can always come up and we'll sure tell them how. We love you, God, and we give you praise and glory. We ask in the name of Christ, amen.